Welcome to the Skillset Podcast, brought to you by the School of Information Science at the University of South Carolina and Publishers Weekly. I'm David Lankus, Professor and Director of the School. Mulaney Townsend Diggs is the South Area Manager for Prince George's County Memorial Library System. In this interview, she tells her story of going from one of the first 50 recipients of ALA's Diversity Spectrum Scholarships to heading up the Pennsylvania branch of the Enoch Pratt Libraries on April 27, 2015. That was the day of an uprising in Baltimore caused by the death of Freddie Gray. She talks about keeping the library open in the midst of police confrontation and burning of stores. Most importantly, she talks about the next day. The next day is when her team's commitment to the community becomes clear. The next day, every staff member of her branch opened the library and joined with residents to clean the streets. The next day, when the library teamed with grocery stores to provide supplies in the food desert her branch served. The next day, when the library brought legal services into the library to directly support the community. I know you'll enjoy and learn from this inspiring librarian. Today we are joined by Mulaney Townsend Diggs, a librarian at the Prince George's County Memorial Library System in Maryland. Mulaney previously worked for the Enoch Pratt Free Library in Baltimore. And as it happens, David and I met Mulaney at ALA in 2016 when we all received awards from the American Library Association. And Mulaney was receiving an award, rightfully so, for her work at the Enoch Pratt Free Library. Mulaney was the manager of the Pennsylvania Avenue branch of the Enoch system. And this was the branch that was right in the middle of an uprising that occurred after the death of Freddie Gray, who had been in police custody. So if you happen to remember that episode, uh, you'll remember that Mulaney's branch was actually across the street from buildings and, and drugstores that actually burned to the ground uh, because people were so frustrated and were just in the middle of so much emotion after the death of Freddie Gray. And Mulaney rightfully received a lot of attention uh, and a lot of coverage and people saying, wow, this is extraordinary. I didn't know that libraries did this kind of thing. And Mulaney was very quick to say, you know, this is what we do. This is my community and my job is to take care of my community. So again, we are so very pleased to have Mulaney join us uh, and we look forward to talking to you today. Thank you, Nicole. Yeah. How are yeah. you? I'm doing well and, and very happy to have a chance to chat with you again. Talk to us about your journey, uh, perhaps to librarianship, but certainly uh, your trajectory and your journey, uh, having been in the profession and, and been in, in some really interesting places uh, in some libraries that have really enabled you to demonstrate the care that you have for other people. So if you could talk to us about that, that would be wonderful. I did not have the idea that I would be a librarian. That was not my first career choice. In fact, I began my uh, study of Bachelor's of Science at uh, Towson University in, in Maryland. 
And you know what my goal was? It was to become a, 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 a microbiologist. So mm-hmm. I love science. And I studied uh, biology with a concentration in microbiology because I thought to myself, I thought I would be, would be in a lab and I would be uh, the one to find a cure for cancer, Mm -hmm. um, disease, perhaps COVID, Mm -hmm. who knows? Uh, (laughs) But but my uh, role to librarianship um, was one that, you know, I never thought that it would be a career choice or profession that I would undertake. I worked at the Enoch Pratt Free Library um, as a page, putting books back on the shelf um, for a number of years. I started when I was in 11th grade high school. I went to Western High School, uh, the only girls school, still public school in Baltimore City. Um, And, you know, that was my part-time job. And I loved it so much. And my friends were like, you're still at the library? Yeah. <laughs> because you just don't understand. Like, you know, in order to get my work done, you know, work my homework, get those papers written, things that I needed, the library had all my resources, right? This was before pre-days of Googling. <laughs> Do y'all remember those days? I don't know if your students will. But- <laughs> Pre-days of Googling, um, the library was where, you know, you would spend your afternoon, you know, doing your research. And so I worked there. So that was a plus. Didn't have to, you know, go somewhere else. But right there, you know, had everything I needed at my fingertips. So I worked from the time I was in um, 11th grade until um, I was in college. So that was my after, um, you know school job and I went to um, also worked at Towson University's library for a little bit on weekends. Uh, so, I mean, I was just at home to me, in, in my opinion, in the library. And it was a place that afforded me not only, you know, some money as a young, as a young adult, but also afforded me an opportunity to meet so many people and to understand and learn more about the profession and be able to get be given opportunities uh, because you know sometimes when people give you an opportunity you open your eyes to more possibility mm-hmm. um and so my eyes were open to the possibility of librarianship as a profession mm-hmm. and when i graduated from towson university in 1993 um, there was a position open for library associates. So in the Enoch Pratt, you can become a library associate. And, and although, you know, that title, you still are termed as a librarian, uh, but you don't have to have your master's, right? This was an entry level uh, position uh, with uh, a degree in anything. So there were many people who came into the profession who, um, in that way you know it was uh a possibility it was an opportunity it was presented 
as this is a job that I think you can do. And you've been helping out with summer reading and you've been assisting with, you know, the children and you've been, you know, uh, doing programming. You've been doing everything all along. You've been given the opportunity to assist those librarians with their programs. And so um, it was something that, you know, I thought that, yeah, I could do that. And so fast forward, um, you know, interviewed for the position, got the position and became a library associate in the children's area. And most of my um, career had been in children's librarianship until um, I, you know, thought that, wow, you know, if I want to uh, go further in this possession, this um, profession, um, I've been working five years, had five years under my belt. And I said, you know, um, I really like this. I really love, love what I'm doing. I, I think I want to remain. And so the only way to move, you know, upward movement has always been <laughs> a great thing to do. Um, so the next step was, wow, in order to uh, go further or, you know, into this profession, I have to have a master's um, degree. Uh, now we see how things are changing, right? I mean, um, now people are coming into uh, different roles of management without um, mm -hmm. library degree. And I'm sure you all are talking about that <laughs> at USC, I'm sure. I'm sure there are, you know, two sides to every coin. So, you know, some people don't agree. Some people do. Well, at that time, you know, um, I needed my degree. So, so I went to, um, started looking and applying and, you know, I was like, wow, you know, it's not cheap. <laughs> the degree is, you know, is very expensive in some places. And in Maryland, there only there were two, you know, colleges still, I believe, to get the master's in library science. There are still just two places where you can go, and that's either um, University of Maryland College Park or Catholic University. And so, um, so looking at both places and thinking where to go and um, knowing that I really needed to stay in Maryland because I had a young daughter at the time, couldn't really go. I needed support from family. Um, I, you know, was like, wow, this, these are my places, but where's the money? <laughs> and so we, um, at that time, and when I started plan applying in 1998, uh, there was, I would say a godsend of uh, a scholarship called the Spectrum Scholarship that was being talked about as I was, you know, researching about the, the schools to go to and thinking people were on the other end somewhere, <laughs> American Library Association, um, talking about uh, the opportunity to give more um, people of color, uh, uh, you know, a way to earn this degree and money so that they can, you know, go to school. And my director at the time was Dr. Carla Hayden, and she was on that steering committee for the um, American Library Association Spectrum Scholarship. And, you know, 
as things go, she heard that we were, it was two of us who was trying to, you know, get our degree at that time. And uh, she talked with us about the scholarship and said, we should apply. And, you know, it was music to my ears. I, <laughs> it was music to my ears because as like, I'm going to win. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get this scholarship. That's, that was my thought. Like we were going to get it. Um, and sure enough, I was named as one of the 50, first 50 scholars of the Spectrum Scholarship Award. And Nicole, I know you are one of the Spectrum Scholars as well. And um, I mean, that really opened up new doors, new doors um, for me, um, learning of networking, of really seeing what uh, the profession um, of librarianship you know, is. I never knew uh, before then, um, but thankful, but thankful to um, have been awarded that $5,000 scholarship and Catholic University is where I went and they matched, matched the scholarship. And, uh, you know, I, that is part of my journey that I will never forget. Mm -hmm. um, never forget that because that was my launching pad. You know, that was my launching pad. That was where, you know, I said, you know, the sky's the limit after after this. You know, the sky's the limit. This is my start and my future, you know, uh, looks bright. And and it has been. It really has been um, a journey that, you know, we uh, we just, you know, are thankful for. And I, you know, stayed at the, um, you know, Pratt Free Library, went to Catholic University, you know, um, part-time. So it took me about two years to get through that um, uh, degree. And- um, Thank you so much for joining. Okay. I don't know what happened. I don't either, um, but we can edit it out, so no worries. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, so, and then, you know, stayed at Enoch Pratt, um, you know, after that, uh, became branch manager about um, a year later, uh, worked in Cherry Hill neighborhood, worked in uh, the Waverly neighborhood at Enoch Pratt. Um, so had different experiences um at both of those places and but just the thought of you know that neighborhood mentality and being available to the community you know that really um you know was my mantra to be available for the community to understand what the community needs to understand what the people needs to be there for the children to understand you know how you can shape their lives how you know even just talking to them after school and just wondering you know how their day was i mean that is what shaped me and what i love about um librarianship um just being able to share um resources and share reading material um and open up worlds uh for people um that you know otherwise may not have had someone to uh to do that for them uh to 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 direct them to guide them to that so 
I mean, I know that's just the, you know, I, I just remember those days as, you know, just the um, background and what guided, you know, me, my guiding force to say, this is who you are. You know, you are, we talked about identity earlier when I started with that. This is who you are. You, I, I thought I wanted to be in a lab, but I'm so glad I went another direction because, you know, people don't understand in public librarianship as well as, you know, what um, maybe different people, some may be thinking about academic, you know, being a professor, but in public libraries, you never have the same day. Like, you know, you can never, <laughs> like, you don't know, you just may encounter, and, and working in the inner city or urban libraries, um, you may have to assist someone who, um, you know, came in and they read it and, um, but they're in your space and you may have to help them to get to where they need to be. Um, you may have to um, work with someone who, um, homeless population, they're in your branch every day and you, you know, strike up a conversation with them to see if they could be pointed to services that they Public library is never a dull moment. There's always something going on. And as the librarian, you know, my thinking cap or my mantra, like I said, was how can I help? What can I do? How can I assist? Um, and that that's that's where I, you know, where I am and what my thought processes have been um in this field for over uh I guess 20 years now. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. So I wanted to uh, take us from your journey uh, to where you are now. And so can you talk a little bit about where you are now and some of the things that you're doing? Um, and when we've been doing um, these conversations, because we are uh, talking about community engagement, uh, we're specifically talking about it uh, in times of crisis, if you will. So we know that there are many different types of crises. Uh, now, unfortunately, we're seeing uh, COVID-19, we're seeing uh, economic disparities, we're seeing a lot of racial unrest, um, we're seeing some climate unrest, if you wanna call it that, with the fires in California and you know droughts in other places, hurricanes, tornadoes, et cetera. So if you could talk to us a little bit about uh, what does that look like now for the work that you do with your communities? Wow, yeah. And you know, um, Nicole, I just wanted to make sure that, um, you know, to let people know that we are not, um, like this isn't our first time dealing with um, adverse situations um, where they're, you know, um, when I was at Enoch Pratt in um, 2015, I remember the day, April 27th, 2015, um, I worked at a branch, um, the Pennsylvania Avenue branch. And many um, of your students, people may not uh, remember, but this was after the death of a young man named Freddie Gray. Um, and Freddie Gray had uh, was in uh, police custody and and died 
um, couple of days after um, his encounter with the police in Baltimore City. And we were working in that branch uh, during that time. And we would see people coming in to the branch. They would tell us, you know, what was going on on the outside, the, the climate <laughs> of the community. Um, they were not happy. Um, they were not happy at all. And, and sometimes, um, you know, when you start hearing, um, in my mind, I was like, we better prepare. Because we were at the epicenter. I mean, Pennsylvania Avenue, if you if uh, people look at yeah, any pictures, anything going on in Baltimore City, it is a it is a, a neighborhood with everything going on. And right there at the corner, it is like the juncture of all the tr um, tr public transportation, uh, but all the buses, the, the metro, the subway hit right there. And and I just felt like and, and Freddie Gray was from Sandtown, Winchester neighborhood, which is not too far from where the library was. Oh, it is still. And I just felt like if anything were to happen, it's just going to be right here. Like it's going to be front and center and we better be ready. Um, and, and how we were going to respond, you know, and I'm telling you, you know, we had heard that morning of the uprising that, you know, the students were going to be, you know, doing something later that afternoon, uh, that, that they would be, you know, um, gathering together, that they would be, you know, ready to um, be on the move and, um, you know, um, join together to just to you know, declare that, you know, by their joining and um, meeting that, you know, th that they were through, they were over it. Um, and so, and, and and that's what happened. And we saw, I mean, firsthand eye account of, of the police, of the young people, of the cars on fire, of the uh, rage of the um, of the total, um, you know, feelings that happened uh, that were on display. Because the feelings came out, and this is why. You know, they were angry, they were upset, um, and, and their feelings were on display. Um, and so the library being right there, um, you know, we had people inside the branch. And we had people inside the branch who did not want to go out. Uh, they were seeing what was happening too. They felt like the library was the safest place to go. I mean, I asked. You know, being the manager there, I asked them, I, well, I told them what we had done. We had um, actually locked the doors um, of the library so that, you know, no one could come in from the outside. Um, when we saw the line of police, when we saw the, the young people and the people going, uh, you know, out there, uh, we locked the door. And then we told the people that were inside, the customers inside, you know, the front door is locked where all the activity was going on, but we had a side door they could go out. They did not want to leave. They did not want to leave. They were still on the computers. They're still reading. Families were there. Children were there who usually come after school. And, you know, that is definitely what um, they, they just felt like we were the safe haven. We were the space, the open space uh, for them. They trusted us. Uh, and, you know, throughout all of that, knowing that um, they trusted us, 
They trusted us to keep them safe. And I, I, sometimes I can't even talk about it because it brings up feelings because, you know, you never know why you are in a certain place in a certain time. But I do believe that for me, I was there um, at that moment because I was able to deal with, because a lot of people probably couldn't deal with that stress and anxiety and worrying about, you know, their own safety. <laughs> I mean, because everything was blocked. I mean, we could not move. We could not move. We had people calling us. We had, uh, you know, Dr. Hayden called us uh, because it was gridlock. I mean, nobody could get up and down uh, for a number of hours. So to be able to face adversity and still be able to guide people is definitely a, a characteristic that, you know, um, that I'm glad that I, was, I could say I was able to have because, I mean, I can imagine if my staff, if my staff, if my team did not think that that I was um, able to guide them, if they were like, you know, out of control and said, you know what, we're not listening to uh, Mulaney, we're going out the door, that would have made everything turn a, a different tale. So, you know, so even the backstory of managing and being able to create a team, a team, build a team that understood that, you know, we're all in this together to trust me. I mean, hear that, that word again, because not only are you trusted from externally, but internally to trust and that the system trusted me. The system trusted me. Uh, because Dr. Hayden called and said, what are you, what are you going to do? And I was like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. So I told her, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to be here. We're going to close the doors. We're going to make sure everybody's safe, but we're here. We are here. I said, you know, we are here. We're not going anywhere. And, you know, oh, finally there was some break where we could get out of there, you know, and go home because, you know, we wanted people to get to their families. Even when I got home, my children, oh my goodness, they just grabbed me and hugged me. Uh, and, you know, I would never forget that feeling, but it was like I was that mother hen, you know, who had all my chickens, <laughs> you know, just, um, you know, I felt like, you know, this was on my watch, really. I really took it upon myself to say, this is on my watch and we're going to be safe. And I had to keep telling everybody, we're going to be safe. We're, you know, there's nothing going to, you know, harm you. We even looked out for the children, calling their parents. We're not letting them go until somebody comes in, you know, and they came, you know, and got them because, you know, we were really a team and worked together and knew that, you know, we were in this thing together. And the next day, um, you know, when I thought some people would never come back to work, some people didn't want to hear, uh, you know, or see the devastation, everybody came back to work the next day. And then if I get a chance to write a book, 
the next day might be the title because the next day the community came out people started cleaning up there was like a party in the street <laughs> we had drummers we had everything so the next day was really about showing that the library could be open and the next days after that was about the library and the community and how we were a a safe haven how we were a library as place and and that's the term that we use to say our services are not just for ourselves or to be kept for ourselves or not to be talked about or marketed but for you know the community and um and so that's what we uh that's you know how what we did there and so now we fast forward to how we're dealing with the COVID uh, crisis, the um, anti-racism, how we're dealing with um, employment uh, crisis. All of those things enable you to have, well, enabled me to have an open mind about how we can uh, work and what we can do for our community. and where I am now in Prince George's County, um, Memorial Library System, it has definitely um, resonated with our library system that we should be uh, the focal point of our community. We should be still giving um, services to our community as much as we can. Um, we understand right now that um, with COVID, um, our response has been um, curbside um, services um, and mobile printing services. Um, even before the library uh, opened to that, we, and, and still going on, was a virtual programming um, that was being done so that people could still have, you know, access to uh, programs that promoted our, um, our service, our story times. Um, you know, our STEM programming for, for children, our um, read alouds, um, author programs. So we are, you know, in the community, although virtually, but we still are open. We'll return to our interview in just a moment. First, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor for the podcast, the School of Information Science at the University of South Carolina. Interested in librarianship? Then join a nationally ranked program with over a quarter century of experience educating leaders in the field online. From the State Library of Vermont to San Francisco to the Business Library of Oxford University, our graduates lead in schools, cities, and states around the U.S. and beyond. Now, let's get back to our interview. You know, that, that word open is a term that, you know, we used at Pennsylvania Avenue that next day we were open and in this age of covid um we are open may not look the same but we're still open to our community um and thinking of uh, other ways of where we can expand on our services um you know virtual programming um has really opened up the door to be able to reach people all times of the day all over the world so that's a global way of people to become uh, knowledgeable about uh, our library services um and so you know that it's definitely uh, a plus for us 
Melanie, could I take you back just to the um, the the next day? Which, by the way, I really want you to write that book, and I think it's an excellent title. Um, I had um, I was working with a with a company at the time, um, TechLogic, and they saw what happened. And I know that after after um, the events of, of that of April twenty seventh. There were a lot of donations of technology. There are a lot of different ways of showing support. And I remember calling up, and I believe I talked to Dr. Hayden at the time, and I said, you know, this company is really interested in basically recognizing, supporting you, and they're thinking about, in essence, this check. And what was amazing was, um, and I think this is really representative of, you talk about the whole team, which was, it didn't matter what the size of the check it was. They were, you know, it was, this is great. You can support us. It's wonderful. And, but what I, so I, this is a little fact checking, because what I heard was the cash is wonderful because what we need to give out is we need to give out diapers. We need to give out, um, we need legal defense fund. We need, in other words, the idea of it's not great, we can you know, get more collections. It was, I, I hear you talking about the trust of the community and the community coming in. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is why, which is you were sitting there going, we understand this community I and mean, we understand that, that um, what happened took out the place where people could go buy diapers. We're going to go buy diapers and give them out. We 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 really looked. You really looked after the 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 wellness of that community. Is that mm -hmm. a is that a fair summation of that? I, I believe so. I, and you're saying wellness, and so you know you think about the whole community, uh, wellness and wholeness. I would say, um, David. Uh, because I think what we were able to do is to s allow people to see the community as whole. You know, there's a lot of brokenness. There are a lot of barriers. Uh, <laughs> wow. There are a lot of things that impact a community from, from not thriving, from not being well and whole. And so what started happening the next day is that people started thinking, how can I help to make this community well and whole? What do I have that they need? And how can I get it to them? And I'm telling you, Whole Foods, as you said, came out um, and brought truckloads of non-perishables, diapers, formula, anything you could think of, we packed it up. And that team, that team packed it up. You know, we had a few volunteers, but I'm telling you that team at Pennsylvania Avenue, those, the librarians who, you know, maybe never saw themselves as part of the whole picture, some of them maybe, but the next day they saw themselves as part of the whole and they saw the, benefits, you know, uh, the benefits of being able to think like, wow, we're open to everything. I mean, there were things like Lori in the library, you talk about legal, uh, and, which is a thriving program now in, in Maryland. I mean, Lawyer in the Library has gone all over and I know there are offshoots of that program in different areas of our um of our nation you know different uh, people have gone on to you know do their legal aid or the pro bono uh, uh law um 
agencies, they have been able to offer free of charge um, expungements, um, information about wills and estates, landlord uh, law, real estate. I mean, they run the gamut of any type of uh, question or law uh, need that you may need. But who knew that the library would be the space uh, where wellness and wholeness could could come in from that aspect of, of, of law, you know, legal uh, legalese. <laughs> so, yes, we were that place, that libraries as place, that space that, you know, oh, you all just do books? No. <laughs> No, we don't do books, we do food, <laughs> we do law, we do all types of services when we see the need. And we, you know, we want to meet the need of the community. And um, TechLogic was definitely wonderful um, with the People First Award that we did win. Um, and I don't think there's been another award. <laughs> But, <laughs> but hey, the People First Award was one, um, you know, for our efforts for remaining open in the community. And um, yeah, they came and we have plaque on the wall that was, you know, awarded to us um, at the um, American Library Association conference. Um, I believe that was 20, that must have been 2015. Yeah, I think so. Because the next year, um, 2016, um, was when, you know, I think we met, right, yeah, with the right. Uh, other American Library Association awards and um, the one, the personal award um, that I won was uh, Lemony Snicket Award for librarians who face adversity. So, yeah, yeah but I mean, the most... Uh, recognition or memory that I would hold on to is definitely um, the programs that were birthed were birthed out of that time. Um, and and sometimes you know we can't see the light, but these are things that enable us to see that there is light in the community. There are people who care. Um, that this is a global thing, and not not just a local thing, that people um, need to see and are, you know, able to come together um, and help, you know, you know, not just your single community, but think about another another community. And so, yeah, we we definitely had we had um, we also had the small business um, association to come. And, and set up shop in the library because we know a lot of the small businesses um, were, um, you know, through in the uprising, you know, were damaged, the pet, um, had property damaged, damage. And, um, and so they set up shop there and small business owners would come in and meet with the um, associates and they would, you know, get get the money that they needed to to repair and and get back open. So, I mean, there were a number of things that that we did the next day. Uh, we even tried to do 
uh, a partnership with a grocery store called um, ShopRite. Uh, because we knew, talking about wellness and wholeness, um, that area was a food desert. So we talked about the CVS, um, you know, that that store that got badly damaged. Um, and then a lot of people utilize that store for, you know, their food, uh, anything they needed. That was the, lo the local place, that was the closest place. But we know it didn't have fresh food. It didn't have... Um, you know, nutritional things. Uh, and so the ShopRite owners, um, the Klein family, decided that, wow, you know, we're we're not too far. Let's do, um, it was called Books and Bread. Let's start this program where um, we will, uh, the, the customers will come into the library. We would, they would make their um, grocery list or market list out, um, purchase their um food and any um, necessary items they needed from the grocery store. And then like that Saturday, they would come and bring the bags of groceries um, to the library and the customers could pick up um, their wares um, from the library. So, I mean, that, that just, I, I just never forget how much um, people uh, were able to see the possibilities, you know, I always think about possibilities and opportunity, but that definitely showed us that there are possibilities for libraries that, you know, it even in COVID, you know, when you think, okay, um, we're limited, you know, to how much contact we can have, but hey, maybe there's an opportunity um, for, since they say you can be outside, <laughs> Here's curbside, or here's some other services that you can do, you know, outside. You bring some computers outside. You know, utilize the space as much as, as you can. Um, and so this is, you know, a way of saying, yeah, it can be done. We just have to open our minds to thinking about what can we do to meet the needs. So, Melanie, this is just uh, so inspiring uh, and just it's a just really an incredible story. And I think one of the things that I'm thinking about is that this is so useful, not only for listeners, but for our students uh, who may think they want to go into public libraries and just have a very, um, I guess I'll say, limited view of what they think that they might be doing uh, in that mm -hmm. setting. And I think your experience just really opens that wide up for them. So that I think that's gonna, this is gonna be really valuable. I wanted to just follow up when you were talking about building your team, the team mm -hmm. that you made fit, feel safe, the team that came back the next day. So can you talk a little bit about how you built that team? How did you, get them to the place where they were willing to follow you li almost literally into fire and danger and and know that you were going to do what needed to be done to keep them and the community safe? Wow, that's a good question. Um, you want me to tell you my my secrets? <laughs> yes, um, yes. <laughs> actually, Nicole, it is it, it is a work in progress. You know, it is not like you feel like, um, you know, you have an epiphany one day and you say, wow, 
Um, I think I've reached that. And then you hear something else. And like, oh, oh, so it's all I always say you have to keep your ears and eyes open. <laughs> you really have to keep your ears to the ground. You cannot act like you don't know what's going on in in the team that you're going to manage. You have to listen. That's the first thing. Listen to concerns and be responsive to concerns. So that was the first thing I heard when I got there. Um, I probably was at Pennsylvania Avenue maybe uh, a year and a half before um, the uprising. So it was a new team for me. Um, but we, we went in with listening and observing and being responsive to the need of the team. Where are, what needs to be um, worked on? Uh, what are the, the, the gripes? You know, what are the concerns? And how can I assist you with that? You know, what can we do together to reach a consensus or come to an agreement? So a lot of that went on. A lot of that went on. Um, also, we had team building exercises. Um, so, you know, communication, for example, is one where at, when you're building a team, communication is key. And so we had a lot of team building exercises around communication, you know, and getting to know each other. Like, you know, you just come to work sometimes and everybody's in their own space doing their own thing, but talking and getting to know one another, getting to know, you know, what you like, dislike, um, getting to know you on another level um, than just, you know, we're just coming to work. Um, so those are some of the things that I, that listening, communicating, uh, team building exercises, um, let me tell you another good thing. Well, in pre-COVID, we could have uh, lunch together, right? We could bring in, <laughs> we could bring in food, and so celebrations, or having food, or having people to get together, and then talking over food. That is another secret <laughs> to building a team. Somehow, to getting your um, team to know that you value them um their whole life and um and then we did reward right everybody loves rewards and so we came up with this um oh gosh i don't know i think it was a, a some kind of stuffed animal we had and we uh, nominated person for staff member of the month and they would let that stuffed animal go from desk to desk to desk and that really uh, built up their, um, built up this, you know, uh, uh, um, morale, boosted their morale because, um, you know, it's nothing like being, and, and I'm just, you know, I don't want to gloss over the area where we were in at Pennsylvania Avenue. There were a lot of times when, you know, you see the bleakness of the community, you see the bleakness of the people, um, it could take a toll on you. Um, there were, you know, shootings happening, you know, down the street, uh, you could hear the gunshots. So coming to work in that type of community, you know, could wear people out and wear down the morale. And so you have to think of ways to boost that morale so that when you come in this space, I don't care what happens 
is happening on the outside, you are coming to the space where you are valued, where your opinion, where your thoughts are valued, where you will be heard, uh, where you will be celebrated, where hopefully you will be uplifted. And so those are the things that I had to consciously, and you know, it's not something that, you know, you can do one day. Every day, you have to think of how can I be better? And being a team player, wow. You know, you can't be that manager that is going to go in the office and, you know, this person is out. These people, you know, children are running amok (laughs) in the children's area. You hear all of this noise and you're going to stay in your office? No, that's not going to work. If you want to build a team, you have to be a team player. You have to go at, you have to serve right alongside your, you know, your team. They have to see you get down and dirty. <laughs> they have to see you get down and dirty they have to see you willing to be right there on the floor with them uh when there's a challenge from a customer you know standing off to the side allowing them to you know converse but stepping in when you need to um so those are the type of things that um that i know and i believe i did to uh allow the team to know that you know, I'm right here with you. I am right here with you. There's, you know, nothing that I wouldn't do. You know, uh, I, I wouldn't ask you to do something that I wouldn't do. So, you know, those are the types of things that uh, that we did. So, Melanie, I, I want to really thank you for your time. So I, I don't want to, because we could just go on for days. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you as, as a way of sort of summing this up. I recall... I was in a, actually it was in, um, I remember giving a lecture about what had happened in the Egyptian and the Arab uh, Arab Spring uh, around the Alexandria Library and how it was, uh, wasn't destroyed, wasn't attacked, et cetera, mm-hmm. during, during the violence and, and demonstrations and really uh, regime change going on there. And I remember that one of my students happened to work in Ferguson and so, left my mm-hmm. class, went back, and suddenly was right in the middle of, of uh, Ferguson. And then, you know, you're talking about what happened in Pratt. And I'm just thinking about our students today because, you know, Seattle, we're talking Portland, we're talking, you know, places where communities are um, coming to the street where racial uprising and there's a really earnest conversation. And that earnest conversation can lead to uprising, can lead to boiling over, mm-hmm. can lead to a whole complex narrative that people try and squash into a very simple narrative. Um, right. And so increasingly the the idea that library science students, first year librarians and library managers and people who have been in that profession are having to come to really understand that how you caretake a community is important. How that, that narrative and the complexity of that narrative and sharing the complexity of that narrative is important. Um, what is it that that Nicole and I can go back and tell our students, you know, these are the skills that you need. Um, these are the things that, you know, even if it's not, even if it's not the CVS being damaged across the street and shootings down the street, there's still things going on in the quietest communities that are just right. as 
powerful and just as demotivating uh, as possible. Mm -hmm. what, are the, what are the messages that, that you and the, we can bring to our students? Wow, David, that, that's a good one. Um, I think that for students today, um, for library information science students today, um, that just be open to, to you know, a world different <laughs> um, than your preconceived notions. Because that world is changing. So being open to change, being open um, to um, being flexible, um, problem solving skills is definitely decision making. Decision making when you know you feel it in your gut, and it may not be what others may have done, but you can justify why. You know, I think that guided me. I could justify the why. Um, and I had decision-making and problem-solving skills definitely helped me during that time uh, in 2015 with the Baltimore Uprising. And I believe that that can transcend over any um, issue, problem, circumstance, uh, you know, situation that might be happening in the in small library, in the small town to, you know, major. Because you got to be able to, um, you know, and, and I can't, you know, listening. <laughs> Don't be the first to always give your opinion. Listen, be the one to listen first and think and then speak. Sometimes, you know, we know, we think everybody say we, we know it all. <laughs> People think we know, know it all as uh, librarians, but be willing to listen, be willing to listen, be willing to learn, always open to learn and listen to what's going on. Hear both sides of the story. You know, hear both sides of the story. Uh, don't base your decision on just one side, hear both sides and think. Critical critical thinking is important, is an important skill um, for the students. Um, they have to be able to look at what's going on, think critically about the decision that they were made. Like, if I do this, how would this group feel? You know, but if I do this, how does that affect the other? You know, when we're talking about race relations, you know, we have to have empathy. So we have to put ourselves in other people's shoes. And we just can't make a, a fast decision because we think that we're going with the, you know, majority <laughs> or how I think I should react. Because, you know, this is how everybody is reacting. No, don't be afraid to go against the grain um, and think about what you're doing and, and have a why. This, this is why I did this because I was hearing uh, this group and I was hearing that group and I thought about what would be best for the whole. You know, what will be best for the whole? 
how would this serve everybody in the community? Thank you very much. I hope that makes sense. Melanie, you are an amazing storyteller. So I am so grateful that you could spend some time with us today. And I think it's just amazing for people to be able to hear your first person account of this episode in Baltimore and also your uh, experience serving the community. It's one thing to, you know, to read about you in American libraries. It's a completely different and so much better uh, opportunity to be able to hear it from you. So we are very, very grateful uh, and fortunate to have spent some time with you today. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Nicole. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, David. Thank you for you know reaching out and allowing me to speak today about uh, my experiences and hopefully it'll help a student out there who's thinking about everything going on in the world today. Absolutely will. Thank you.